0: And I mean that with all my heart. I appreciate so much you coming and worshiping the Lord with us um, on any day, but especially Father's Day here um, to see some of your family with us. We greatly appreciate them coming and sharing with us. I want to say a special God bless you to the men that came out yesterday for, I, mean, I don't want to say we kind of tricked them. You know, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. And, uh, but we called it a Father's Day breakfast, and, uh, but but we did feed them well, and, but afterward, they helped us move, they didn't help, they moved the uh, food pantry from the Family Life Center, and all the way to the north end of the building, so we could kind of restructure it some, and I had told them, I said, if we could get started by nine, I don't think it'll take more than an hour, (laughs) and about... About noon, I, I said to the men, I said, I don't know why y'all would believe a man that says, I'm getting ready to close. I'm getting closer to closing. I'll close in five minutes. I don't know why that y'all would think that. So I, I actually thought on that later and thought they knew, they knew that if I said an hour, it could be two plus. But in the heat, it was getting hot towards the end, and, uh, but we really, really appreciate It would have taken us um, up here during the week, it would have taken us all week to do what they did in about three hours. And so we greatly, greatly appreciate it. And at least two or three pastors ought to say amen. (laughs) Right. So we need to do more than buy their breakfast, don't we? So we really appreciate it very, very much. And I thank God for all those. So let me just mention the the food pantry for a split second. We have men and women that volunteer come out um, each week. Um, They're still looking for... Sounds terrible, but we got some ladies looking for a man <laughs> to say it that way. But there's on on Wednesday, especially they, they especially uh, sometimes need a, a man that can lift some of those boxes so that they can be broken down and put in other boxes. So if you're interested in volunteering, you can see Sister Margaret Weaver. She's sitting back there in the dark on the back row. Raise your hand up, Sister Margaret, right there. Just talk to Margaret if you if you would like to volunteer. We would appreciate it very very much. We we feed a lot of people our church family does uh, during the pandemic and uh, now during um, the beginning of recession uh, inflation all those things and uh, the people the the people that come to our food pantry appreciate the effort that's made by our church family and the resources that you have given amen well i feel honored to be here to share this word with you today and so I'm going to go right to the Word of God, and we're going to turn to one or two passages of Scripture. And in doing so, that's going to conclude the reading of the Scripture today. I'm not going to have, I have some additional Scripture, but I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'm going to retain it here. So, Ephesians chapter number six, I believe, is where we're going to start. If you would stand in honor of the reading of the Word. Visitors, we can't tell you how glad we are that you come to. Either be with family, but along the way, you came to, ch- to church with them this morning, and we, you have honored us, and we appreciate it. We're praying God's blessing upon you here. Verses 1 through 4 of Paul's pen Most, uh, should be familiar to all of us. If not, uh, let it become familiar to you. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And I, I, could, I knew I should get a big amen on that one right there. Somebody said, praise the Lord, Hallelujah. And then honor thy father and thy mother, or and I threw in an extra thy, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Come on, that's good, isn't it? It's got a promise. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And then he said, and ye fathers, the ye there in the authorized version is plural, speaking to all men, it says, Provo- provoke not, notice these words, provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's good, isn't it? Those four verses could change the trajectory of an entire generation. Those four verses. Now we're going to backtrack to Matthew's gospel chapter number 11. We're going to read about six verses there, and uh, that's going to conclude our scripture reading here today. Matthew chapter number 11. I, I hope that I'll try to weave these together here in a few short minutes. Verse 25. Now, I'm kind of breaking some of the, um, the, the means that by pulling this text out of context, uh, which I am. But I've, I'm creating a context with it. And I don't think it's going to uh, detract from the original intent that Jesus intended when he spoke this. So let's go ahead and look at it. Verse 25 says, At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father... Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered, verse 27, unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Catch those words right there, that last part now. I'm gonna still read these other three verses here, but and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And then Jesus gives us in a an evangelistic um, exhortation, speaking to the people in the crowd that day, but speaking perpetually through these words. How many of you know this is. Even if you weren't in the crowd that day, you're in this crowd today, and those words are still as relevant, they're still as living ones when they fell off of the words of the mouth of Jesus on that day. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is the light. And so I appreciate you coming out and sharing Father's Day. It's always in my heart to be able to minister the word on Father's Day. I've got a message I'm going to angle it a little bit differently. And I say that often, but this today it really is. My message is entitled today, if a title has any uh, merit to it, The Father's Hands and Heart. So let's see if we can catch this. and and hear what the Spirit of God... Let's pray a simple prayer today. Let's ask the Lord to give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let's pray that prayer. Father, I love you today, and I am so grateful to be amongst men and women of like precious faith, to be able to worship with them, to be able to lift up holy hands, to hear exhortations, Father, from the platform that have compelled me in my worship and my communion with you. And I pray today, Father, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that every man, every woman, every boy and every girl under the sound of my voice would have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. I confess my inadequacies in front of the people. I confess my, Father, perhaps even to a degree, a lack of preparation, lack of education, all the things that could hinder me today, Father God. However, I trust entirely on the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to lean into that supernatural power that Peter said you could make me as the oracles of God That the words that I say, the convictions that I carry, the anointing of God, Father, would move people in their faith until they could understand this title, The Father's Hands and Heart. I pray this today in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen and Amen and Amen. It's always my pleasure to be able to share, and especially, particularly target men on Father's Day. Um, Having been a father now for, gosh, it seems like forever, since 1988, when at the tender young age of 19, I became a father, and now I'm a granddad 10 times over. And expect Mo to come. And then, by being a pastor, I have matured into. It takes time. I started pastoring at 27, and I was not necessarily a spiritual father at 20. I was, but I didn't know how to carry that mantle, to carry that role. Um, But as you, how many of you know, as you mature, right? God works inside of you. And and you begin to change, and you see yourself differently, and you see the call of God that's upon your heart. And so now I'm the, I have a privileged, um, both responsibility, but also a privileged honor to be the spiritual father, to to many men and women that I, I'm so grateful to be able to extend the Father's hands, and in in love and in kindness, compassion, correction. Now think about Father's Day. We read that text in Ephesians chapter number six where we're exhorted to honor our father and mother and it's very important that we do so, right? And and the reality is, is if you have had a godly father in your life, whether you are the daughter or the son, it matters not, you know, on Father's Day, that is the easiest thing that you will do is to pick up the phone or hug if they're close or go to someone's house. That's the easiest thing that you will do. Right? Because if you even if you didn't have a godly father, if you just had a good dad, right? I mean, not all, uh, I'll say this, there's a lot of good dads that aren't godly men, but they vested into their family and their children, and, and that's still an easy phone call for you to make, isn't it? To pick that phone up and to call them because your life has been shaped by their convictions, your life's been shaped by the time that they vested in you, the value that they saw. But as I really began to pray about today, I found myself shifting some because I typically and I'm going to I can't help but to a degree still throw out some nuggets towards the men in this fellowship along the way. But I but I started I started shifting just a little bit because while it is my intent to help, hopefully, teach principles of faith that can correct a, a generational uh, father's blessing as fathers mature and grow. And the exhortations on the platform a few moments ago, encouraging men to, uh, as I said, to change the direct to the trajectory of their families by becoming that man of God and letting that be that you know your house following your lead. I was faced in my preparation in my heart with this. It's a hurtful reality is that not everyone had the benefit of a father who really cared for them. And sometimes masked under our smile at church, masked under, uh, hey, how are, you, sir? how are you, brother? It's good to see you. Masked under uh, all the makeup that the ladies might do. Masked under that is, is, is a pain that's still present to this very day. And so the the folks that have been in that environment, I'll tell you what, uh, you're on my heart today because that passage that Paul said in Ephesians 6, he said, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath lest they become discouraged. The reality is that there have been a lot of men that have provoked their children to wrath. They have left them discouraged. We've seen such dysfunction in the home in the american culture you know i you know i can get political in a heartbeat and i don't apologize for it but i'm telling you the attack of the uh on the nuclear family and the target on the man and the husband and the father and, until we have this corrupted view of what a family should look like uh, has has brought the family and, and and broken it down in our culture today and the, the statistics prove what I'm going to say. I'm going to go ahead and throw out just a few statistics because dysfunction in the home most often starts with either a neglectful father, an abusive father, or an absent father. So just 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 plain, just statistics for just a moment. 18.5 million children grow up without fathers in America. 18.5. So 25 percent of all households. Up, uh, uh, with, uh, live without a father, 25% live without the presence of a father in the household. It's much greater than that in the African-American community where 75% of all households, uh, the children are, are, are either born or raised in a home without a father. 85% of children and teens with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. I know that's, that's hard to hear. Let's, let me share it with you. 85%. So when you think about some of the, the things that we see happening in certain areas of culture and with teenagers and, and adolescent uh, and, and behavioral issues and teachers here among us, I, I'm sure uh, they, 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 they have one of the greatest tasks in front of them every day when they go to a public school. And, and because the children today have such behavioral disorders, 85% of those children are coming out of, out of homes without the presence of a father. And you don't have to be a paternal dad to be a father. Come on, somebody. And I know we can ha- you can have a blended household and have a godly home, right, full of the love of God. Uh, 70% of all adolescent um, patients in drugs and alcohol centers. So 70%. So if you find a teen challenge, and these are actually adolescents there, 70% of those, of those young men and young ladies have come out of homes without parents. And 90% of all homeless and runaway children... Come from homes without a father present. That's a sad. Uh, that's a sad state, isn't it? Just those statistics. But what it's got to do for us is we've got to. It's got to motivate us, uh, beginning with men. It's got to motivate us to step forward and be who God's called us to be, Amen. right? And and to see a shift and a change in the culture. But I'm still going back to not only dysfunction. That's a measure of dysfunction that is associated with the absence of a father, but what 's in my heart today is is that there are people that have just really, really been hurt by a father who was present, who was there, who said things and did things that have left generational scars in their heart and in the lives of their children. I remember years ago years ago when i was uh again i wasn't i wasn 't prepared to be the Spiritual father that I am today, but I was in my first year of pastoring up at Shirley, and I was invited by one of the faithful members as a lady uh, to go to the home to meet her brother. And so she was, she was about I don't know, she was probably my age today in her, her, her low to mid 50s, and her husband, or no, excuse me, her brother was probably early 60s, and they had had an um. Just a mean dad. I mean, I'm talking about just vile mean, and would say things and to their children. and these these, these adults are still struggling with this fifty years later, and, and I remember being in their home when the when, when the, 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 the lady she would possibly maybe the you know sometimes the emotion of the moment maybe she thought that was therapy for her but she kind of pushed her brother to go back in time for just a little bit to discuss some of the things that had taken place and i sat there almost traumatized in my own spirit as i watched a 60 probably year old man begin to cry i mean childlike tears when he was reminded of what his father used to say to him and curse him and curse his future. And, and, I, and at the time, being 27 years of age, I, I, I felt awkward. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know to, like today, I would have wrapped that 60-something-year-old man and I'd have said, you put your head right here, brother. I, I'm not your paternal dad, but I can be your spiritual dad today. And, and that, but that, I've never forgotten that moment Because, again, let me just go back, and I'll quote from one of the judge songs, Uh, the the, the old country sing uh, duet, Mom and Daughter. Daddy's hands were soft and kind when I was crying, but they were hard as steel when I'd done wrong. But I come to understand, she said that there was always love in daddy's hands, but not every father's. Hands that were cold to steel. there was always love in those hands. Some were mean and vindictive, and they have scarred a generation. Scripture records the whole story. That's what I love about the Word of God. Because the Word of God tells the whole story. And so we've got a record of men that we think about, and we think about them as godly leaders, and to one degree they were. But you know, I've also observed that there have been some men that had divine call upon their life, and God used them in a powerful way in the kingdom, but there was a great failure at home, a great failure. Um, when I was, think, I was thinking about a, a fuse, I mean we think about Peter speaks positively of Lot in his epistle, but if you'll read in the book of Genesis, a lot allowed himself to get drunk in a cave with his own daughters until there was a, a sexual uh, incest that produced a generation that that there's still contention between Israel and those uh, that were produced in that cave that incestuous cave and then we we see Eli who who failed to restrain his sons and I was thinking about this uh, in other just just looking at those that we often lift up but Jacob's favoritism caused great division in his household and 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 certainly I can't Never forget about, because he's one of my heroes of faith, and that's David. When I think about David's ability to take the sling and the stone and to slay the the giant, and and he gives us all the psalms and the prophetic utterances that we sing from the platform. But the reality is, though David could conquer uh, giants, he failed to conquer his own sinful sexual appetite. And when he failed with Bathsheba, he brought a curse upon his household. Matter of fact, God himself said, God through the prophet said, because what you've done, the source, the sword, excuse me, shall never stop in your household. So men, we got to be very guarded, don't we? I mean, we matter. You matter to, the, to the, the culture of your home. Noah's drunkenness. I'm always reminded about the kings in the scripture. If you just read, just, it might just be a little passage in the word of God. The reason, why am I bringing this up to you? I just want you to say that God's been addressing things like this in his word from the Genesis. But it'll say this in the king. It says, and, and this king died and his son took the throne. And he reigned for three years in Jerusalem. And he did evil in the sight of God like his father before him. Those words just, they, man, they smite me in my heart. And then I, I, I remember one other one, just real quickly. It was Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel who had great potential, but he became so jealous and enraged that 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 he actually turned his anger and his jealousy towards his own son, and he took a. a a spear. We know about when when Saul tried to kill David. Everybody's familiar with that. But he took that same spear, and one time he threw it at his own son. And sitting at a dinner table, he called his own son, you son of a perverse woman. That's what the King James English says, son of a perverse woman. So we've got the biblical record here that there are men that may have had a, a, a divine call on their life and divine attributes of godliness but they failed in some areas and let me tell you you need to look at the good equally as much as the bad so that you can say god i want you need to look at the bad equally as much as the good so that you can say god i need to know what not to do as well as what to do come on so let's go a little bit farther i got a few thoughts i want to share with you and so and then i began to think for just a moment Again, about the male influence that we can have on uh, families and households. And then I began to think about single mothers who are raising children who, uh, for whatever reason, whether it would be death or divorce or uh, dysfunction, whatever the case might be that have caused them in their home to not have the presence of that godly man, we need some men to mentor in this generation right? You don't have to even look very far. You can look around this church, and you'll find somebody that needs you, sir, to come around, put an arm on their shoulder, and tell them you believe in them, and you care for them, and spend some time with them. I'll tell you, one of the, you know, here is an overlooked hero in the Word of God. Now, here's one that we know about, Timothy's spiritual father. We know about He's not overlooked because we know about uh, that Timothy's mother and grandmother were Jews and they had a faith and they passed that, they, they, they became believers in Christ and they passed that faith to Timothy. But we also know that Timothy's father in the natural was a Greek. The Bible notes this. But did you know that Paul called both Timothy and Titus my own common son in the faith? He said, you're my son in the faith. Not common son, you're, you're my son in the common faith. In essence, that through their relationship paul was mentoring them and fathering them and leading being a spiritual father in their lives but here's the one that i want to mention just real quickly and there's one verse i want to read to you because there's there's more that we can do there's more that you can do men. there's more that i can do in the book of esther chapter number two verse number seven we're familiar with esther and we're familiar with mordecai but let me read to you a passage that says about mordecai because we know that esther became a tool in the hand of god to preserve the lives of the jews correct That right, she came to the kingdom for such a time, right? Y'all know, do y'all remember that? Don't let me get to preaching about that. It'll it'll awaken the preacher inside me. But here's what it says: Mordecai, when Esther's father and mother were dead, he took her for his own daughter. Right there, that's a man of God right there. Right? He may have not preached a sermon. He wasn't the king. He wasn't uh, uh, out on the battlefield. But because he brought Esther into his house. And he became her adopted father. I'm telling you, God blessed him and caught his testimony in the word of God to to help us as men today. Isn't that right? So as I go a little bit farther here today, I just want to begin to to just think about for a moment of time. I think about, again, those that have suffered pain at the hands of a father. And, And I'm an emotional person over some things and not emotional about some others. But when I think about the breach in the house and the household, I'm telling you nothing wrenches my heart than to think about people that have been hurt or wounded at the hands of the individual that God intended for that person to represent him to that house and that household. And my heart is towards you today, whether you're male or female, whether you are a young person among us today and you come and you're living right now in a dysfunctional home, or whether you are 80 years old and you're still struggling to a little bit of a degree with the scars that have been placed upon you because of an abusive father. I want you to know today, I believe there's healing in God. I do that. And I'll tell you what, if you're looking for somebody today, that for a singular moment, and I tell you, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking, all, I, I, my mind's going all the way across the spectrum of the folks in our church family today. I'm thinking about those that have godly fathers that are alive and they're present with them, and I bless those households in Jesus' name, right? Then I'm thinking about those whose father, again, you don't have a godly parent, you don't have a godly father, and, and yet you're living for God, and, and yet and you're trusting, you're still honoring your father, right as according to the word of god the bible doesn't say don't honor them uh you know if they're not what you hope that they should be there's still a measure of based upon who that god intended them to be that we still show some measure of honor correct so we have to so i'm thinking about you yeah, i'm thinking about those under the sound of my voice who um You've lost your father, and he was a good father, or or your spouse most recently in the latter couple of years, and Father's Day is a tough day for you, and I greeted many of you outside today, and when you would come in, in my heart, I may have not said something to every one of you, but being your pastor, I know to a degree your plight, and, and my heart grieves for you today. I mourn with you today, and if you're just looking for somebody to say, man, I just wish I could hug a dad today, well, you can look no farther. I may be skinny, but and with a little poochy belly right now. But I'll give you—I'm working on it, people. Don't judge me up here. (laughs) It's Sister Sherry's cooking's improved over the years, or my exercising has decreased—one or the other. But if you're looking for somebody today, today on this day, this day that says I just need somebody to hug today, that a whisper in my ear and say I love you and I'm proud of you—you don't have to look any farther. I'll—I'll be here all day if I need to to say, God bless you today, because I believe today that my job today is to, is to fill a gap if I can. And, and in doing so, Jesus could not be here in the flesh. He couldn't be here this morning. He was tied up in God's kingdom. So he sent me as an ambassador to you. So I want you to know today, if you have been hurt or wounded in a dysfunctional home, and you still carry some of that trauma inside you today. I want to share with you where I believe is the greatest place of healing for your life today. And I, I don't want to in any wise take away from therapy or counsel or any such thing. Or even a godly mentor or an earthly uh, father. Uh, what we would be like a stepfather or a mentor that we, read, we we mentioned. Or an adopted father. Any of those men. But I'm telling you there's still something in God that you've got to see. But I'm telling you because he... He, he is the healer of your soul, right? He's the restorer of your past to dwell in. God is. Let me give you a little secret. This is how I judge the maturation of one's faith to a degree, to a degree, not completely, from the healing uh, for for healing from their past abuse or neglect, or even from just a life of sin. It's when God, when your verbiage changes, when your vernacular changes, and you begin to commune with God in a different way and means than you did previously. When He goes from being God, Yahweh, El Shaddai, the Almighty One, Jehovah Jireh, when He goes from being all that and He is everything that I just mentioned, but when He becomes Father to you, when that, whenever I'm telling you, if you'll hear me today. I may not know everything uh, uh, and be accurate in all my sermons. I hope that I am. I do my best. But I can guarantee you this right here. I can tell you that there is healing in communion with the Father. Right there. There is healing in every part of your being. Every part, not just in your spirit, not just in your, uh, your, your, your family lineage, but I'm telling you, inside of you, in your emotions, in any trauma that's, that's, that, that where you've been wounded, I'm telling you, in, in a relationship with the Father, everything can change. Everything. I thank God for Jesus today, don't you? I thank God for who He was. I, can't, I thank God for what He came to do. I love to tell from this platform about the wonders of Jesus' redemptive blood. We refer to it quite often here on the platform. I point many times to the cross that I stand in the backdrop of every Sunday. And the power of the preaching of the cross is uh, to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. When I think about Jesus' death on the cross, I think about of his shed blood, I think about the redemptive nature of it. That I, I, I mean, I, it, it brings every bit of preacher inside of me out, and I thank God for it to be able to testify of it, and what a privilege it is but when i think about his eternal purpose i think about more than just the the redemptive nature more than to just deliver us from the enemy by his victory over death and i believe in that don't you right but often overlooked and often do we fail to realize is that jesus came to reveal the father to us he came to reveal As a matter of fact, and it was late in his ministry, and I've mentioned this so many times since I've been a pastor, but Jesus had mentioned the Father one time in a discussion with his disciples, and one of them, Philip by name, said, Lord, if you will just show us the Father. He said, it will suffice us. And when Jesus heard that, after three and a half years of of ministering to them and ministering alongside them, he turned to Philip and he said, Philip, he said, if you have seen me If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He came to reveal the Father. The text that we read in Matthew's gospel was that no man knows the Father but the Son. Right? He said, and no one knows the Son but the Father. And he said, let me repeat it to you again. He said, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And so today I am so thankful that Jesus came to reveal to us the Father. That we've been adopted into His family and you and I have become sons and daughters of God. And when you begin to understand that you were adopted into the kingdom of God and now born of the Holy Spirit, and it changed everything about you, everything about your heritage, everything about your inheritance, everything about who you used to be, everything changed when you became a member of the family of God. Let me go ahead and just tell you a truth today. Not everybody is a son or daughter of God. I know religion likes to look at all humanity and say, well, we we're all children of God. No, we're not. No, we're not. So we went astray in a garden called Eden, and the enemy came in and began to father a generation of people. The only way that you're in the family of God is if you come to Jesus Christ, and you believe in His shed toning blood on the cross of Calvary. And when you do, He will send His Spirit into your heart. And the Bible says the first declaration out of your heart and expression of praise to God will be Abba. Father, because you will now be in the family of Almighty God. And do you know when Jesus, that's good preaching right there for a young guy like myself. Matthew chapter number six, when Jesus was teaching us to pray, here's how he taught us to pray. Here's how he, let me just tell you how not to pray. Oh, Oh, thou mightiest God above the earth and the heavens and El Shaddai and the, all, all that. That's all good. But Jesus said, let me just tell you how to bring it down to the most personal level. When you pray, say these words. How do you? What did I begin? Where do I start? I don't know how to pray. When you pray, say, our Father. Right there it is. Jesus brought it to us right there and said, I want you to know him. For your heavenly Father knows the things. When you pray and you don't even, you say, God, I've got so many things I want you to ask. i got to ask you of Jesus said. When you get ready to pray and you get ready to petition God, he said, I want you to know before a word is formed on your tongue, before a thought comes to your mind, before you can write down a prayer request and put it in a basket on the altar at the church, I want you to know your heavenly Father already knows everything that you have need of. That's the God. And I'm telling you, say, Pastor, it's Father's Day today. You're supposed to teach me about how being a man or a woman, and and, and especially as a man to be that. No, listen, I'm telling you, there is healing. There's healing in knowing the Father and knowing him, having a relationship with him, allowing him to speak to you in your life. I was thinking about Jesus not only in his life, but even in his death. Through his example, he taught us to trust And have a relationship with God the Father. I want you to think about this. When He pillowed His death, pillowed His head in death. I think we sung about it in that very first song, because it said that it. He said when it is finished. He said it began when he said it is done or it is finished. Did you know in Matthew's Gospel and Mark's Gospel? Here's the recorded words of Jesus on the cross from their two pens: "My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me?" Quoting from the Psalms, right, fulfilling the prophetic word of the Psalm. Because God had laid the iniquity of us on him, correct? John said, he said, it is finished, and gave up the ghost. But listen to what Luke said. Listen to his words. Here's what Jesus said. With the crown of thorns piercing his brow, seven fountains of blood, people railing him and cursing him, And he says these words, Father, are y'all hearing? Father, into your, remember the the Father's hands? He trusted his death into the hands of the Father. That so moves me today to say, God, every part of my person, From rising up in the morning to laying down at night, every part I want to trust to the hands of the Father that loves me today. Every part of you that if you were to counsel with somebody privately and you're still struggling with pain or trauma perhaps from an earthly father or the loss of a loved one or whatever, I'm telling you there is a heavenly Father today that you have communion with and fellowship and relationship with and you can share every intimate secret with him and he will in no wise turn you away. Jesus' exhortation to us today stands out, and that is, did, did you know that as, as you grow and as you overcome trauma and pain in life, you've definitely got to learn to forgive? How many believe that today? That, I mean, you can't walk around with that. that that's just a baggage. That's what the enemy means for you to carry on you, even if it was an abusive father. There's going to have to come. You want to walk in healing. You want to be different. You want to have a life that that is full of the joy and the love of God. And and, and you say, Pastor, my, my father did discourage me. We read about it in the book of Ephesians. We were warned not to, but he did it anyhow. Well, your life is going to continually be under trauma until you arrive at a place where you say, I let that person go in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to carry that on me. That's the enemy trying to bring me into double bondage, and it ain't going to happen. I was hurt and wounded, yes. It was painful, but I found healing grace in the love of God and a Father that cares for me. And I want you to know that, if God, God, I believe that God will give you the courage to pray a prayer that of yourself you cannot pray. What is that? And that's to say, Father, I forgive them in Jesus' name. I forgive them. You can't do that of yourself. There are times you're hurt and wounded so bad, but I'm telling you, the only way you can do it is to be able to look to the one that on the tree who was beaten and broken and hurt and wounded and spit upon who prayed a prayer from the cross with blood flowing from his veins. He said what? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I thank God that Jesus came to reveal the Father. Are y'all here today? Let me go a little bit further into this text. And so, or these various things. John chapter number 16, verse 27. Jesus said this to you. I want you to hear this. The Father himself loveth you. I'm gonna, I want to re- read it one more time, perhaps slower. Maybe you didn't catch that. That may be the best sermon I've ever preached right there in about four, of our, four words. The Father himself loveth you. He said, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Paul gets in on this thought in his writings. He calls, he says this, uh, that, that, that he is the father of mercy and he is the God of all comfort. The point is, is that he's referring and he's referencing God through the connotation of father. And I want you to know that there's healing for your life. There are a few things that I wrote down here that I believe it's important for you to know as a person. So today on Father's Day, my typical sermon is to challenge men to love their wives or their family and their children, to bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, to challenge them and to challenge manhood. And, and I've done all those things. I usually pass out wristbands, but I don't have I men. Please throw no stones at the pastor today. I did not bring a wristband to you here today for the first time in probably 10 plus years. But what I've got is I have a word for every person here, male or female, member or adherent, visitor for the very first time. I want you to know today, I want you to know that the Father loves you today. That's what I I came here today. I want you to have communion and fellowship. Listen to this, 1 John 3 and 1, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. Let me read that one more time. What manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God? God so loves you that he has brought you into his family. And so today, I want you to know that he so loved you, and this is very difficult because there's a mystery into the triune nature of God. I'm about to say something. I hope I don't breach theology when I do so, but God displayed a love for us greater than greater in the redemptive work of Christ on the cross than if he had died for us as the Father. Let me see if I can explain this. Now, we know that in the triune nature of God, there is uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's very difficult to know the distinction distinction, and yet also to maintain the unity. It's a beautiful, I don't think we'll ever fully grasp it until uh, uh, until we see it in eternity. That's just me. I I think I can fail to put down the theology of the triune nature of God. But let me say this. When we read that God commended his love towards us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So God, in the context of who he is, chose to reveal himself through the person of Jesus Christ as Father. The Father didn't come down on the tree. But every father under the sound of my voice that's a godly man, in a second you would give up your life to save your son or your daughter. You would. If, if there's one bullet coming and you've got time to stand between that bullet and your son or daughter, I guarantee you, you would die in their stead. Let me tell you how God commended His love towards us. We were vile we were sinners. And He took the Son his beloved son, and he sent him to die. I love you. And I'm telling you, if you and I were walking together and we had a traumatic uh, moment and somebody popped out, I I can say that even, I, I, I really believe that as a pastor, my first natural instinctive reaction would be to get in front and protect those that were with me. But I don't know That if I was walking with you, and I had my son, or my daughter, that I could push them in front of the bullet to save you. But God. Can can you catch where I'm going with this? A father's heart today. Not my heart, his heart. He put his son right there. And he watched him die. To the degree that his son said, why have you forsaken? He felt forsaken on the tree, but he loved us so much that he allowed his son to die so that we could know him as father. Are y'all here today, church family? That's the beauty of the power of the father's heart and the father's hands. Let me tell you that I'm getting ready to close. <laughs> the father knows your pain. Can I tell you that? There's nothing hidden from him. Can I please tell you that today? He knows your pain, he knows your plight, he knows your hurt, he knows your neglect, he knows the abuse that you've endured. There's not a word formed on your tongue, there's not a thought in your mind that he does not know. And he loves you through Christ, and you're a part of his family. You're a son and a daughter of God through Christ. You belong to him. Jesus said this with his own mouth, Fear not, little flock, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God forbid that we worry or fret about life, but we simply trust in the Father's heart and in the Father's hands to keep us and to preserve us. The Father gives you the grace to forgive. I believe that with all of my heart. Your neglectful father and mother, I believe that through the power of the Father dwelling inside of you, you can forgive them in Jesus' name. Right? Those that abused you, perhaps somebody walked away from you and and, and you were forsaken as a child or as an adult. I'm telling you, the Father can give you the ability, and there's healing in his hands. There's healing in his hands. The Father can give you a Manasseh. I believe that with all my heart. You remember that in the book of Genesis when Joseph, who had been traumatized, later when God's blessing came to him, he he named his firstborn son Manasseh. He said, God has made me forget all the toil of my father's house. You say, pastors, that God can cause you to forget and overcome. I believe that. Every good thing in your life, did you know this today, comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing. Can you all say that and think about this with me? Every good thing in your life comes from the Father's heart or the Father's hands. Nothing just comes to It all comes from the heart of God who loves you, the heart of the Father. You and I can have fellowship with the Father. He desires to know you and to commune with you and to walk with you. And he's provided an eternal kingdom. For you and I. To dwell eternally with the father. Isn't that a beautiful thought for us today. I want to share with you in closing that today. A familiar story that I think teaches us the principle. That's woven here together today. It's fatherhood. Father, Father's day today. And so in my heart always again. I want to challenge men. It was already stated from this platform. But we certainly need a generation today. Of men to rise up and be who God's called them to be. But at the same time, as I was thinking and pondering and planning in my sermon prep, I said, I said to myself, and I said to God, I said, I've done this for year after year after year, and I believe in it, and I, and I, and I thank God for that, and, and I'm here to hug and slobber on anybody that needs slobber on you today. And I know you say, ooh, Pastor, that don't even sound good. Those are words that I say about my own children. I will mark you with slobber. That's what I do. I will mark you <laughs> But at the same time, I know this today, the greatest thing that you need in your life is not a pastor to slobber on you and even a godly father. That's not the greatest need in your life. The greatest need in your life is to know that you have a heavenly father. That's the greatest need in your life, to be aligned to his perfect will in your life and to know that you're a part of his family, know that he cares for you. That's the greatest need in your life. And there's a story in scripture that Jesus taught us and I believe it teaches this principle and I'm gonna close with this today. It's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 15. It's the story where Jesus tells about a certain man that had two sons. And the younger of the sons, one day after dwelling in his father's house until he was a young man rose up and he said, I want you to give me the goods that belong to me. According to the time of that day, there would be a division of those goods to the men of the household. And he was the younger, and uh, there was a portion allotted for him, and he took it. And y'all know the story, but I'm going to bring you back to it in just a moment. There's this particular moment I want to connect with. And this is what's called the story of the prodigal son, because he went, afar, went to the far country. He went away beyond. He left the borders of the local community. And so for us today to put it in our Uh, you know, vernacular that we could understand. He left Heber Springs, and he moved to Las Vegas. And there at Las Vegas, he squandered his father's living, the Bible says, on riotous living. And he was caught up in partying with um, everything that your mind wants to assume and to presume by putting that together in that lifestyle. And he had friends, and it was all good for a season, and he he thought he was happy until the money ran out. And when the money ran out, he ran out of friends. And, and, and the Bible says simultaneously a famine was in the land at that particular time. And simultaneously during the famine, he started turning to people for a job. There were no jobs for him. And he ultimately, and it was of all shame for a Jew to have to go to feed a Gentile pig farmer's pigs, but that's the only means that he could find to provide for himself. And so he finds himself with slop buckets. Anybody remember slopping the hogs as a child or a teenager? If you don't, you should. You'll be a better person if you did. So carrying the slop buckets out there and dumping it out for the, the hogs or the pigs, he had a, a revelation that came to him. Because as he was there, he didn't have anything to eat. and The only thing that he could find to, 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 to eat was just whatever little bit of corn that was in the slop that belonged to the pigs. And that's a low place on earth. It's a very low place when he had a revelation. And he said he thought to himself, this what the Bible says. You read it, the story on your own, Luke 15. He came to himself and he said, in my father's house, even the hired servants have bread enough and to spare. And I'm trying to survive on this, this pig slop here. He said, I will arise and go back to my father's house. And so he goes and he makes the long journey from Las Vegas all the way back to Heber Springs. And he's already determined in his heart what he's going to say when he sees his father. And he's already determined that when he says to his father, he said, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. He said, I just want to, to just make me as one of your hired servants. And he's wondering what that traumatic moment is going to be like with all that he's endured and what he's went through and the pain that he's brought upon himself. When the Bible says that as he drew near to the house, the scripture says that the father saw him coming from afar off. What does that imply to us? That means that he saw him, he was waiting for him. That every day the father got up with with his son in his heart, waiting for the day he would see his silhouette against the horizon walking down that dusty road. And on the day that he finally saw it, he did not wait for the son to come to him. But the heart of the father, with love in his hands, runs to meet him. The son's going to, again, you read this on your own. This is Jesus' own words. But remember, Jesus came to reveal to us the heart of the father. And so the, the Bible says that he did. The young man fell down on, right in front of his father, and he confessed his sins. And he said, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. I've wasted your living. I've wasted everything that you've given me. But if you'll just go and put me into the servant's quarters there, I'll live for the rest of my days, and I'll be contented. But the Bible says that when the father saw him and drew near to him, the Bible says that he took him and he brought him close to him. And he fell on his neck and he wept and he sobbed and he slobbered on him. And he said, you're not going to be called a servant in my house. You're my son. And he sent his servant to go get him a robe, go get him a ring and put it on his back and put it on his finger. And he said, we're going to celebrate because you were dead and now you're alive again and you're always going to be my son. And you say, Pastor Brown, why is that there? Is that just to call children or sinners to Christ? Yes, that's why it's written. But it's also there for us as the children of God to know about the love of the Father today. God loves you in His heart and in His hands. No matter how soiled you feel, no matter how broken you feel, no matter how wounded you are, I want you to know the Father, the Father, Come on, somebody, the Father. He loves you so much. And there'll be healing in your life when you see Him, not as just Jehovah, Yahweh, or God, but when you begin to change the way that you commune with Him and you begin to worship Him as Father. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed. Join me on the platform. On Father's Day today, my heart hurts for people that hurt today. I want you to know today some of you we'll just go ahead and backtrack for a minute. You're praying, you're praying, you're praying. Just some of you had a godly father or a husband and he's gone this year, last year. They say time heals all wounds. That's not necessarily true, but we we learn to adapt. And we learn to adjust, and we go, from, we go from memories that we feel the trauma of the loss until later memories that create within us appreciation for who that person was. My heart hurts for you today, whether you're the spouse or whether it was your father, and he's not here with you today. And if you need a hug today, I'm telling you, I'm here and others are here. And I know it's not the same But I'll tell you why, we just hope you can feel the love of God in our hearts and our hands today. But that's not who's all that's on my heart today. Those of you that have been wounded in the place that should have been the safest place for you, your father's house. My heart hurts for you today. My heart hurts because you hadn't found that full healing And I want you to know that if you'll come to Christ, you say, Pastor, I'm a believer in Christ. No, no, I'm talking about, listen to me, listen to me. I know you came to Christ for forgiveness of sin and salvation. But no, he said, I will reveal the Father to you. Did you hear hear his words? He said, I will reveal my Father to you. That's what I want you to do. That's what I came to exhort you today. That's what... A pastor's counsel can't give you or that's what the the therapist's medicine can't give you but i'm telling you in the heart of the father there's healing and there's grace and there's mercy and there's the ability to forgive there's the ability to forget are y'all hearing me today draw near to him today draw near today draw near today in the name of Jesus today, jaw near. We're praying in this house today. God, I feel the Lord today. And I'm going to give an invitation here today. And I'm going to begin with this first invitation. I know, please allow me to give this invitation while your heads are bowed. We're just praying. I want this to be a I feel. I feel the presence of Jesus in this room right now. The, the presence of Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know the Father through the Son, You may be a visitor and you just came for the first time. Maybe you've come to church quite often, but you just have never really, you don't know, you know about him. You know his name's Jesus, you know, but you don't know him. You'd say, Pastor, if you would pray with me today, I want to make, I want to come to Jesus. That's what he said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I'll come to Jesus, slip your hand up. I want to see it today because I'll pray with you today. Is there anyone under the sound of my voice today? In Jesus' name, thank you. I see a hand over there. Thank you. Anyone else today? Being honest. People are praying. Being honest. Nobody's looking around. It's just me and you. You can have a freedom to lift your hand up today. Thank you. Thank you today. We're praying for you today. In Jesus' mighty name, I'm praying for you today. Church family, would you pray? Would you pray? I think we should pray a, a, what we call the sinner's prayer right now without going any farther. There's a couple of individuals that slipped a hand up. Young adult and another that raised their hand. Pray, let's pray a simple prayer and say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Y'all pray this with me if you would in your spirit and in your heart right now. I come to you today and I repent of my sins. Today, Lord, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in his death on the cross. I believe he was buried and he was raised again from the dead. And today, I trust in him to be my savior. Be my savior and my deliverer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I believe that if anybody prayed that prayer, simple as it might have been, that prayer You were born again, but I need your heads bowed and eyes closed because this is where it's going to get real in here right now. I'm not going to, I wouldn't do anything that could potentially embarrass anyone, but I can't let this moment go right here right now. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I've been wounded and I've carried wounds and scars and hurt in my life from the hurt of someone that possibly, that should have, should have shown me the Father's heart. but His hands, they weren't kind. Pastor, would you pray with me today? Would you pray with me? I won't embarrass you. I won't bring you to the front. I'll bring some others as a whole, as a group, so we can kind of hide together. But I just want you to slip your hand up, if you would, today. And I'll pray with you. Nobody's looking around. This is private, very, very private. If that's you, slip your hand up right now. I'm just going to make an identification with you today. Thank you for those that had the courage. Thank you. There's people that have courage. Thank you so much. Thank you so much today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, today. I want to ask you to pray, church family. There is about 10 people that raised their hand. That's very powerful. We're going to pray for them right here, right now. Right I'm not going to bring them together in a collective group. I would not do that to them today. But I want you to know there's healing in the Father's hands. Church family, would you begin to pray right now? This is as spiritual a moment as we have had in our church in some time. And I believe God is doing a healing work right here, right now. God of heaven, I pray, my Father, over, over, I pray, those that had the courage to slip their hand up. Before their hand, ever went in the air, you already knew. You already knew the pain, the sorrow, the hurt, and the trauma, God, that was in their heart and their life. In Jesus' name. You, you saw from afar, God, you watched this. Someone that should have represented you in love and kindness and grace spoke harshly and wounded the spirit or physical abuse, God, and wounded that, the individuals. And I don't know their plight and I don't know their situation, but you watched from afar and you saw and you observed. And today, God, through the message that I preached, I have shown them that through Christ, through Christ, they can have a deeper communion with you that will bring them to a place of healing. Healing in their heart, healing in their emotions, healing in their, in their, in their psychological uh, means, God, of, 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 uh, even beyond in their culture of their family, God, there's healing for them as they know you and fellowship with you. And with all the faith that I can possess in this moment, if it's sacred, and I believe it is, I want to pray over every person, from the far end of this building to up near the stage, God, those that raised their hand. What courage it took, God. Father God, what courage it took. I pray over them, Lord. Would you, God, you draw near to them. God, draw near to them today. Let them know of your kindness and of your love and of your grace. In Jesus' name, pray over them today. And I bless them today, O oh God. In the name of Jesus today. Church family, y'all stand up with me today. If you would. I feel the Lord's presence in this house, don't you? Do you today? A father's heart, the father's heart and the father's hands. I took you from speaking to men briefly, quickly, to speaking to all of us here today that may be dealing with hurt And I routed you as quickly as I could to the person or the place, the place and the person, where I believe there's healing for you. And that's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who reveals the Father to you. That's where I took you. I believe that's the greatest therapy you can receive is communion with the Father. I believe that's the greatest healing you can ever receive in your life is to walk in communion with Him. And know that he can heal you from the inside out. Do y'all believe that today? That he can literally heal you from the inside out. I'm going to close this message, and I'm going to let the church family leave as you need to leave. But if you're here today, when people begin to leave, I'm going to come right down here. And you say, Pastor Brown, I just want to come and just maybe, but there's, some, maybe there's just a st- in your heart, especially I feel for those that, that a dad has passed away, or a spouse has passed away, and maybe you just want prayer, or maybe you just want a hug, whatever that is. I'm not going to, to retain everybody, because if people need to leave, we know it's a busy day, you, you can leave. But if you, if you need prayer at, on a personal level, and definitely if you want, need a hug or just to, to lean onto a, a father's heart for just a minute to, ref, to represent the heart of God, For just a brief, whatever level I can, whatever level any of us pastors can, we will. We will today. Then as I dismiss, then you come forward. And if you need a hug, we give you a hug. If you need a prayer, we're going to pray for you today. Because we want you to know that there's love in the Father's heart and the Father's hands today. You may have to feel it through ours, but it's His love. It's His love through our hands. Let's pray. Father, I love you today. I'm so grateful to have this church family that, who gave me respectfully time to minister to them. And they allowed me, to, they allowed me to, to share intimate thoughts that awaken things about their past or their present that they sometimes try to suppress. But they allowed me to do so, God. And I pray that as any may leave or as some may come forward, I pray, Lord, that you will bless them. For I bless them in the name of Jesus. Church family, I want you to hear me. This is what I tell my children. I'm going to say it to you today. Because I'm going to reflect his love to you. This is what I say to the brown kids. I love you. And I am so proud of you. And I want you to hear that today. Because that's the father's heart to you today I love you that's what God says to you that's what God says to you today I love you and I am so proud of you I'm so proud of you may you be blessed may the Lord keep you may he make his face to shine upon you may your family be blessed and walk in the grace of God In Jesus' name, and all God's children said amen and amen. Church family, you can exit at the front if you like.